Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the show. This is Missing the Point with Miles David. Thank you for tuning back in. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Very glad to have you. And I am glad to be back with another episode for you guys. I feel like it's been a minute since I uploaded and and I know it has been a little bit of a gap. Um, 2021 just seems like a longer December of 2020. <laughs> Some things have been happening in my personal life in 2021 in January at the very top of the year that have made things a little touch and go. Um, if you know, you know, um, you know, I've shared my trauma or I've shared my ordeal with those closest to me and, you know, on my personal Instagram and stuff like that. So like I said, if you know, you know, and I'll probably share more of the story or what I'm personally going through when I'm on the other side of it. I think that's best for everybody and especially for me right now, because you know, 2020 is starting out. I keep saying 2020, (laughs) 2021 is starting out not terribly bad. Um, we do have a new president, uh, in office. So yay for that. But on a personal level, we could be working some things out. Some things have been, some hurdles have been put in the road, I'll put it like that. But we, 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 we are track stars this year and we leaping over them as best as we can. So don't worry. Uh, I will still be doing my best to push out content. In fact, I have a lot of things planned for you guys that are in the queue, like I like to say. But specifically for this episode, I have something fun in store. I want to do a little tennis, intro to tennis, tennis 101, if you will, or Like the title of this podcast, Tennis for Dummies. (laughs) I struggled back and forth with naming it that because I don't want to call you guys dumb, nor do I want to insinuate that people that don't know the rules and ins and outs of tennis are dumb. But, you know, it's like a catchy thing that you see in your lovely Barnes and Noble book aisle. (laughs) And everybody's seen a blank for dummies book. So I thought it would be relatable. So I will have a conversation with one of my good friends and another tennis head slash tennis fan that I have gotten to know through social media and has really good insight into how he got into the sport. And we do a fun, you know, kind of back and forth trivia style conversation, um, letting you guys into what you should know about tennis. If you don't already follow the sport or aren't a fan and things to kind of look forward to in this year a little bit we kind of tangent off like I normally do with my conversations um but mostly this is a conversation and an episode dedicated to you learning more about tennis if you've been listening to the podcast and and are like what the hell miles be talking about because I know I get feedback that some people just have no idea about the names that are like of the players that I talk about or the description of the playing style or the scoring They're just, you know, like caught in the wind with all of it. So hopefully this episode gives you a little bit more insight and sparks you to do your own research because tennis is definitely a sport, although it's not the most difficult sport in the world to be a fan of or to learn, it takes a little bit of effort. So we're going to meet you halfway with this episode. And before I do that, I'm going to give you guys just a brief update about what's been happening on the Pro Tour. Um, some results from the first week of professional tennis tournaments and a little bit of talk about what's going on in the lead up to the year's first major in Australia, Australian Open. So let's get into that. Oh, another one for the highlight reel. 
All right, guys, before we get into it, I really wanted to just quickly plug and or mention more of a plug <laughs> the social media websites that the podcast is actually on. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Those are the most popping and newly added to the repertoire or to the lineup is Clubhouse. I was just invited to Clubhouse, which is a podcast live audio audio only formatted kind of app that's exclusively for iphone users sorry samsung and others right now maybe later <laughs> but it's a new app that allows you to basically interact with people audio only no visual just you you're basically like you're basically like a talking bubble and so far it's cool i will definitely <laughs> be utilizing it to talk more about like live tennis matches as they are happening um, and basically giving my commentary kind of like a prequel or like a pre whole podcast show, if you will. So, you know, make sure you are following the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, especially Instagram and Twitter. Those are like the ones I'm most active on. And I mean, then obviously Facebook and then now Clubhouse. So just wanted to put that out there so you can kind of keep up with me before you get a new upload of the show <laughs> or in between uploads of the show. And in saying that, a lot of things I'm mentioning, I did mention on my Instagram and obviously talked about on Twitter because I like talking to y'all on Twitter. <laughs> so first things first, I wanted to shout out the three winners we have in the winner circle of 2021. So we have Mr. Well, let me dial it back some. <laughs> I was going to say his name. So we had three tournaments like I talked about last episode. We had a tournament in Delray Beach, Florida starting off the year. And we also had um, a tournament in Abu Dhabi and also a tournament in Antalya, Turkey. The Antalya, Turkey tournament was a little bit of a lower tier tournament, as was the Delray Beach tournament. Those were both what we call ATP 250 events. And the big kahuna for this week or for last week, I'm, I'm getting my weeks confused, was Abu Dhabi, the women's only event. And all three of those events were fairly interesting. So in Delray Beach, we have a champion in the winner's circle of Mr. Hubert Herkash of Poland. I believe Hubert Herkash is sub 25 and he is kind of like a under the radar male tennis player he is not you know he's not really cracking the news outlets every week or every month <laughs> um but he is quietly grinding it out and doing his best he beat sebastian corda who is uh from the usa and as a youngster on the rise who kind of had a little bit of a injury problem in the final but all in all i think that was a good week definitely for hubert Hercash lifting his second trophy ironically that's his second trophy on the ATP tour in the second that he won in America. So maybe we might have to adopt him as a rising star because the rising men's stars on the USA side are a little few and far between so far, <laughs> at least, at least from my two eyes. So shout out to him. He's is uh, like a, he's a, he's a workman like player and he's not really flashy for the most part. He just goes out there, keeps his head down, does his job and he plays really good tennis. He's six, five and he is, agile as you can imagine a athlete to be you know you know you, you wouldn't really put agile and 6'5 in the same category because I'm 6'5 and I don't know if I'm considered agile anymore <laughs> I don't, I'm not but he is and it, it was a good final to watch except Sebastian getting injured but he's young and I'm hopefully he bounces back quickly the other men's winner in the event in Turkey was Alex Dimonar from Australia he is also a sub 25 on the come up ATP talent and he is 
if you've if you've been following tennis for a while and you are a fan, then you obviously know who Leighton Hewitt is. He's also from Australia, a former number one, former Wimbledon and U.S. Open champion. He plays a lot like him in his style. Like he doesn't want to miss a ball. He is going to run around the court until he is. Yeah, he doesn't even get tired. They call him the speed demon because he is very quick and he doesn't miss a ball and is going to fight for every single point. So I believe that was his fourth title on the tour. So he's definitely, you know, increasing his momentum and somebody to look out for as like a sneaky outsider to do a little bit of damage at the Australian Open. You know, maybe not the winner, but definitely is going to be a tough out. So congrats to Alex Diminar and... Before I post this on Instagram, I haven't posted this yet. Alex actually makes it to my top 10 men to watch in 2021. I thought about doing a whole episode about my people to watch on the show, but Instagram just made it quicker. So go to back, go to Instagram and see. I've posted already who my top 10 women to watch are in 2021. But just a, you know, a teaser. Alex Diminar will be in the top 10 men to watch in 2021. So that is that. Speaking of the top 10 players to watch in 2021, Arena Sabalenka won the WTA 500 tournament in Abu Dhabi. She is actually on a 15-match winning streak dating back to her previous two titles at the end of 2020 in Ostrava, which is in the Czech Republic, and also Linz, Austria. So she is racking the wins up, and I watched a lot of her matches in Abu Dhabi and some performances were scrappy, honestly, um, and she's a scrappy kind of hit it or miss it kind of player, but she plays very boldly. And when she's hot, she's hot, which is this is which is very ind- indicative of the winning streak she's on. But when it got to the semifinals and like I say, the nitty gritty of the tournament, she was dialed in and she was barely losing games. She was playing great defense and obviously great offense because she's known for her offense. She will take your head off with a ball quick. <laughs> um, she represents Belarus, just like Victoria Azarenka does, a good rival of Serena Williams, just to make that make sense for you. <laughs> um, and she is, again, another one to look out for and also made it to my top 10 women to watch in 2021. So she has, a look. She has. I hate to say this about, you know, players, but, you know, it, it is sport. She still has a little bit to prove, although she's on this winning streak, we... I say we, but the the fans are waiting to see her break through at a major tournament like Australia in a couple of weeks to see if she can really lift the biggest titles of the sport because people are hyping her up and have been hyping her up since about 2018 and she hasn't really come good when it's time to come good. So we over here at Missing the Point, we like Arena Sabalenka. Her grunts are another thing. I don't completely hate grunts. It's just hers sometimes can be like, all right, girl, come on out. <laughs> but nonetheless, she played very well in Abu Dhabi, and I'm happy that she won another title. Hopefully she can give us a quarterfinal, semifinal, maybe a final in Australia. So we shall see. So just one more thing briefly I wanted to get into before we hop into the Tennis for Dummies conversation. I wanted to kind of mention what is going on in Australia pre-Australian Open. So we know we are in, we are still in a Panera Bread, in a Pizza Hut pandemic, and things are just not flowing as easily as they were pre-pandemic. We we can't expect them to. And I kind of need everybody to just go back to the drawing board and Google and look up the definition of a global pandemic because it just... 
people are doing the best that they can and people are still out here moving kind of weird. Granted, a lot of people have never lived through a pandemic, so everybody's kind of walking on eggshells, but it's just weird things happening. And all of that to say is the players headed into Australia are <laughs> there are 72 players currently entered to play into the Australian Open and the lead up tournaments that have to hard quarantine for 14 days in their in their hotels before they are even able to hit a tennis ball on a tennis court. And that is because several of the chartered flights from cities like Los Angeles, Abu Dhabi, where the tournament was just in, and then also Doha that hosted another smaller qualifying event for the Australian Open. All of those flights from those places had people on them that tested positive once they actually got to Australia. And if you don't know, Australia has been very strict with their quarantine rules, which is why their numbers are so low and they have gone days sometimes without anyone becoming infected with this virus. And they are trying their best not to have the Australian Open, this tennis tournament become a super spreader event. Like I get and commend them for trying to host this event and keep some normalcy in a very unnormal past almost 12 months but they are also trying to not make this event go to hell and have everybody and their mama pop up with COVID-19 and have it be a bigger spread than what they basically had somewhat contained um they were doing Australia the continent and the country were doing a lot better than other places in the world when it comes to maintaining and trying to have some kind of discourse with this pandemic coronavirus situation. So the players over there have been complaining on social media. I've posted about it on my Instagram, go check it out. And then I just have to mention this man's name before I go, because he is in the mix always. He likes being in the mix. He likes being controversial as much as he likes being a good tennis player, I believe. I think he just likes being in the mix. <laughs> and I'm if if he likes being in the mix, I'm a, I'm I'm gonna make sure I talk about him being in the mix. And I'm talking about Novak Djokovic because oh, he just does not understand his PR team, y'all. His PR team has got to be tired of him. And like the name of this podcast, he consistently misses the point. This time, he wrote a letter on behalf of his fellow players, um, basically advocating for their stay at these hotels while they're in this very strict can't leave their hotel room for anything 14 day period to have all of their amenities enhanced even to the point of asking for all of these players to be put in separate houses with access to a personal tennis court so that they can train because he thought that the restraints on them were too tough <sighs> well that's a tough titty Novak Djokovic because you are simply just not getting it and further informing me and reinforcing the idea that I have about you that you are just completely detached from reality. I don't understand why he thinks he has to just be this I'm for the people all the time kind of person because it comes off so it comes off like he's trying to be selfless, but it actually comes off very selfish. And I don't know why no one is sitting down and translating that in Serbian to him, but somebody has to do it because it's getting really annoying that every time I open up my Twitter, he's had something to say or done something that makes me go like, where are you in the world? Like, I get it. He's a millionaire and probably, and his grandkids, grandkids are probably going to eat well because of his accomplishments and endorsements and all of that. But how detached can you be to just, 
not understand that everybody in America, Australia, and everywhere else are just trying to make things work the best they can while being in predicaments that are new to everybody still. You know, we are in a global pandemic. I know we are all tired of saying it, but we are still in one. We It just is what it is. We are all living in history and his ass, I don't know where his head be sometimes, but I just, <laughs> he, the situation with the players, you know, 72 players is a lot of the field. And that makes the Australian Open interesting because these players are not going to be as fine tuned with their tennis skills as they may have been had this situation not happened. But for him to try to write that letter to Australian leadership in tennis to basically ask them to supersede with Australian government. Cause we have to realize that this tennis tournament is not <laughs> the government of Australia. They have rules to follow as well. And he just completely doesn't get it. He just kind of wants things to run how he wants them to run in his reality. And everyone else is just expected in his mind to do that when that's just not <laughs> come, come to earth. Somebody knock him on his forehead and just say, come to earth for a little while and just rock him to sleep. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> we're going to get off of Djokovic and we are going to go into this conversation I have where we talk about tennis and break down some of the reasons why I watch the sport, why Keith watches the sport and give you guys some insight into some players to look up, some terms to look up, how tennis is scored and just a very, very, very easy, funny, it's definitely funny because we laughed a lot, <laughs> breakdown into what tennis is in a tennis for dummies kind of way. So stay tuned. All right, Mr. Keith, I got you on the line here. You can see me. I can see you. We can hear each other clearly. And we are ready to talk some tennis. Is that, is that how you feel? That's what that's the wave we on today? Sounds <laughs> good. About, sounds good. We're talking about tennis this morning or afternoon. Yes, afternoon? yes. Afternoon. It's afternoon now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we should be talking about tennis because I actually played last night and which is something I've been trying to put more in my like, you know, my weekly regimen is to at least play twice a week. Mm -hmm. And I've been feeling it in my legs, in my shoulder, <laughs> like a good feeling it. Not like, oh my God, I got I gotta go to the doctor, but like you have you have not been playing or practicing nearly as much as I have the past couple of months compared to like when I was on the high school tennis team or whatever, like I've been, I've been playing. And then when I play, people always want to be competitive and play until <laughs> they red in the face. Like why we got to be out here for two and a half hours? Two is not enough. <laughs> I was just going to ask, did you guys score, score the game or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. So exercise I played, kind of deal? Yeah. So I, um, I actually got looped into this group of guys that play twice a week in Baton Rouge. And it's a really diverse group of people. It's, it's a lot of people potentially that like, you know, get sent out the email or whatever about, you know, what courts are available, whatnot. And a guy organizes and one guy organizes it all. He's super cool. Um, but uh -huh. yeah, we just, we basically just play practice sets in doubles and we like try to stay around our, our, our own, what's the word? To dump, not, you, do you know what an NTRP ranking is? Uh, like when, player, <laughs> when people say they're like a three five or a three zero or whatever. Oh, oh, well, yes, yes. We we, we try to we, they try to keep it around the the same playing level, so you're not out here playing Serena when you really are Hingis, even though that's maybe not the best example because 
they both are professional, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I get it. It's, it's it's just a way of scoring the uh, scoring the amateurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like saying if you if you suck, like mediumly suck, or like super suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically all. That's sense. basically all it is. Because all of us out there are working on something. That's for sure. But uh, let's let's get in. Let's get into it. So let's get into you, Mr. Keith. Where are you from originally let the listeners know um because this is your first time on the podcast so you know we have to introduce you to the listener's ear and talk about you for a second before we talk about tennis yeah yeah so um so my name is keith i was born and raised in uh an area in southern virginia called hampton roads um i moved to dc after that for college and i lived there for about ten and a half years um and I currently live in uh, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas, a place that is, has always been on the radar for me. A lot of my friends moved there almost immediately after college. And it was a mm-hmm. place I visited while in college. So how, how has that been? How, is, how has Dallas been? How has the adjustment been? Have you, you've reached like a one year anniversary or stuff, right? Have you, have you done uh, it? No, no, I'm probably at like seven months at this point. Oh, so you, you, you uh, still fresh, that. still fresh. In oh, the oh, okay. Very wet, very wet behind the years here. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I kind of moved here um, right in the middle of the pandemic, and I, I, um, I moved here from Charlotte. It's um, it's been pretty interesting though. I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, you know, it's not a very expensive city to live in, you know, uh, but you still kind of have all of the accoutrements of like a, a major city. So um, it's I mean, it's there's nice. a Real Housewives franchise there. So, hey, must be doing something right. Even though there I don't watch is. <laughs> I've never seen it either. I think I, not, I, I lied. I watched one episode about a week ago. I've never uh, seen a yeah. single episode besides <laughs> the packages they put on Bravo in between Atlanta and Potomac. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently I went to a, a pool event once and um, one of the housewives were there, but I, I couldn't point them out if point her out if, if I, uh, if you paid me to. So one of the uh, Dallas housewives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a, I had a terrible comment about, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Cause I think you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what else, what else did I want to ask you? Um, how old are you? How old are you? I am 30. I'm 30. I'll be 31 30? this year. Yes. You don't look it. I guess that's a good thing. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's, yeah, and it's the benefit 30. of being clean bald. We, after we cut our hair off, we basically stop aging. Uh, for oh, the I'm most telling part. you, I, I feel like I look younger now than when I had hair at 25. That was kind of like where I reached critical mass and it was like, the hair has to go. Not critical it, mass. It just, yeah, I know oh, that feeling. Listen, I, I know that I, feeling. I went on vacation. I was in um, like Martinique or something like that. And I had taken pictures like on a boat. And um, I, even to this day, I look back at those photos and I'm like, darn, I just, these pictures would have been so much better if I had gone bald prior to this trip. Mm. Um, but uh, you live and you learn. And um, yeah, you don't know until you know, you know? <laughs> and then what is, what is your zodiac sign for the people? Not, I, I, you know, I, I teeter on being like a part of the zodiac. <sighs> sign hive because some people think you're completely crazy (laughs) some people think that you're crazy even like thinking about zodiac signs and then some people really lean into it and i'm somewhere in the middle not not gonna lie i i'm one of the completely crazy people i i don't think they uh hold truth over your life but i am a gemini Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, sorry. I get a lot of flack for that. You know what's crazy? We, we We were talking earlier about 
I know I mentioned earlier that I had a friend on the podcast named Keith, and he's also a Gemini. <laughs> oh, oh, perfect. <laughs> Shout out to Bubba Bubba ever listened to this part of the podcast. <laughs> um let's see. What other questions that I have for you before we move into tennis specific questions? I think that's it. The the listeners probably are like, oh, I like his voice so far. So let's roll with that. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So we are doing our Tennis for Dummies, aka Tennis 101 episode where I really want to get into the minds of somebody that is a fan of tennis and follows the sport, um, but doesn't necessarily go to every tournament on every part of the globe and is not that tennis fanatic so that we can get a, you know, a view of what the road looks like for someone to, you know, become an avid fan of the sport and not necessarily play it because do you play it? Do you actually play sometimes or are you just, or you just tune into tennis channel every weekend? (laughs) Uh, so I, try, I've been trying to incorporate tennis as a, as a way to exercise, um, for the last like year and a half or so. I am uh, a terrible player though. Uh, if you got me on a court, you know, I, I could get the ball into the service box. Um, but that is, uh, that is the gist. I mean, that's, that's like 75% of people don't, don't feel bad. Yeah. And yeah, in tennis, I, I, tennis is very nuanced to where, it's hard to describe because I feel like to a certain degree, every sport takes practice, but tennis is one of the ones that really you, you're going to, you're going to feel like an idiot almost the first 17 practices. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I get it. I get it. Trust me. I get it. But I mean, I've, I played all four years of high school and then like I played just recreationally. So just now I'm getting to a point where I am playing actual sets against actual people that are on the same level as me. And you know, like I'm, I'm, this year actually makes 10 years out of high school, which is weird saying that out loud. Like when 2021 hit, I think one of my uh, classmates said on Facebook, time for the reunion. And I was like, whew. <laughs> yeah, okay, 10 years, try try 14. <laughs> That's not this that year. much of a difference. What does, what does that make you? Class of, class of? 07. 07 was a good class. I, was I, I, think, I think I briefly interacted with them because I think I was a freshman in high school, like fall 07. I might be wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. What a what a time! What a time! What okay. a time! <laughs> so, I got some questions for you about like your background in tennis. Before we get into a little bit of tennis trivia to see where you are in the uh-huh. the the ranking of tennis fandom or being a fan of tennis. So, what what was your moment of like falling in love with the sport? When do you have like uh when you think about you know you and being a fan? What picture do you paint? Is there a specific event or match or like story that sparked being a fan? Yeah, so um, I think my very first introduction to uh, to tennis was, um, I think like most people, it was Venus and Serena. Um, I remember one day we were, me and my mother were at home over the summer and I think it was the US Open. So I'm gonna say it was probably mm-hmm. 99 maybe. Um, oh, you back in the gap. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I remember the two of them playing each other. And my mother was like, you know, we had sat down and watched it because they, you know, obviously there were two black, young black girls on TV mm-hmm. um, playing each other in a professional sport on a national platform. And um, so that kind of sparked my interest. And it was like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. And we watched that entire match. And um, 
I would pick up on the slams after that. And um, as time went on, I kind of, I was predominantly a slam watcher. And now that I'm a little bit older, I, I get into some of the, the other tournaments um, that are kind of lower on the totem pole, I guess. But um, uh, that was that was my initial introduction, was just kind of watching Venus and, and Serena. What year did you say that was? From, I think it had to be 99, if I'm not mistaken, because I want to say they played each other in the U.S. Open final. Mm-hmm. Um, that was they played each other in the see this is the the tennis historian <laughs> the tennis historian in me is like did it happen and, on that day and i was a, i was a child too so that, like that, that's no I, very I fair kid, so it could Com- be completely you know. fair look don't, don't yeah. listen listen to me well when when serena and venus were originally hitting the scene i was not near tennis i just have done yeah. <laughs> my due diligence on looking back that's all and thankful for you two for allowing that to happen yeah <laughs> but they played in the u.s open in 2001 which is One. still yeah which is still a long time to you know be associated with the sport and kind of have yeah. that that spark moment you know yeah so there you go oh, i was 11 yeah okay and <laughs> you said you are a slam follower I'm, I'm jumping the gun here but what is your favorite grand slam to follow because i feel like tennis is one of the one of the cool things about tennis is we kind of get four Super Bowls a year, and then you kind of mm-hmm. get Super Bowls based on what you particularly like about the sport. You know, different surfaces, different places of the world. So, which one is your favorite out of the four? Um, you know, I think in terms of um, just kind of like the the entire like tradition, I like uh, Wimbledon. Who does? Um, I think I Who think the grass courts are like. Uh, beautiful um i love the the theme of like always wearing white to the event no matter what um and um so yeah but i think in terms of like the speed of the game particularly for my favorite player mm-hmm. uh, and i guess grass court also kind of suits that right grass court it's a very fast court um so but also like the u.s open right so it's, it's home mm-hmm. um somewhere you can go. actually go and visit <laughs> yeah um so without you know any any like you know without a passport struggle or strife yeah without yeah you can drive (laughs) up there (laughs) you you can get there so um so yeah i would i I would say number one is wimbledon for sure just for the 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 beauty of the event yeah yeah Yeah, i feel like those two not like not to shame australia or the french open but i feel Mm -hmm. like those two winning those two gives you a certain notoriety in the tennis world and outside the tennis world like you know to a random guy at a bar that just follows basketball and knows a little bit about tennis, the mm-hmm. Wimbledon and U.S. Open are the one that he's probably going to have his ear to the wind to a little bit more compared to the French Open in Australia. Even though Australia, it might not be like my favorite, for me, Australia might not be my favorite slam as far as value, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as entertainment level it always mm-hmm. usually starts off the year really well and they do yeah. it really they they are pretty much above and beyond as far as far as when it comes to advancing a tournament visually they got it they, they keep up with every year they kind of keep up with whatever newest technology is in production they keep yeah. up with it and I, I i really do appreciate that because i don't know if you would before i started watching tennis i didn't like link australia to <laughs> high-tech production but now I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now I do, and now I do the ap- absolute opposite for f- the French Open because they are stuck in 2001. But whatever, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned your favorite player at Wimbledon. Who are, who are, or who is uh, your favorite player, male or female? You can, you can, you can give me your favorite one, and then some of the ones that you kind of 
watch on a day where your favorite favorite isn't playing? <laughs> um, so I think in terms of like my favorite, it's it's obvious, right? It's it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely Serena and Venus. Uh, well, which one though? Which one? Because people like to put them in a, in the box, in a package. They they have to go in a package for me. I, I don't necessarily think that you know they came out at the same time. It's hard to say that um, you know. I, I don't even know how to explain it. They, 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 they're a package deal for me. I, I can't pick one or the over mm-hmm. one over the other. I love them both just as just as equally. So yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms, sisters. you can't go the wrong. Williams sisters, you cannot go wrong with them. And in terms of the men, uh, it would have to be uh, Federer. Why Federer? Because I literally just had a small rant on my podcast Instagram about Federer and. I, I never had like a strong disdain for him, but there was mm-hmm. a disconnect for a while, especially when I came on to being like my my aha moment where I wanted to follow tennis was more the end of 2006, beginning of 2007, which was smack dab in the middle of him yeah. beating everybody ass, basically, <laughs> except yeah. Rafa, except Rafa. So I'm a little bit of a... um. I'm a slight fan of the underdog, which he was, mm-hmm. which he usually is never is in his matches. No. <laughs> so, what, what is it about Federer that makes you, you know, want to turn on television? Um, I think once again, it's kind of like one of the first tennis players that I was introduced to uh, mm-hmm. when I was younger. So again, we're talking about somebody who's been on on the courts for pushing forty, years. or if is yeah. he forty, he's going to be I forty this he is year. 40. It's crazy. He is forty, if I'm not mistaken. So, no, I think he's going to um, be forty this year. <laughs> I, I think. Yeah, okay. he's 39. He's going to be 40 in August. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about another person who's been on the court for 20 years. He's um, so, again, like my introduction to tennis was through uh, through those people. And so they are kind of who I, who I hold steadfast to in terms of, especially now, they, they've been there so long. And they're still um, here and still in the and conversation to win the big tournaments. It, yeah. How do you not love people like that, you know? It'll be uh, interesting can, to it'll be interesting to see what happens when those two players transition from playing to commentating or whatever they do post professional career. You know, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll it'll feel like a gap for a little bit unless we have some of these players actually take the reins. You know, take the what's the what's the phrase? Take the horn by the reins or reins by the take, horn? Take, or, take the something something <laughs> like that. Step up, basically. Step up. Yeah. No B two K. Um, and you know, start and start winning and start making themselves household names like Naomi Osaka or yes. um, Dominique Team is trying to do that. Yep. But the, on the men's side, it's a little bit harder because you got Roger Rafa, Rafa, and, and Novak who basically dominate everything. The women, they yeah. have a little bit more. They have a little bit more space in their armory for some names to pop up. So well, yeah. that's good. Good to know who you're rooting for when you're out there rooting. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> let's, let's see what else I got for you. So you've been a, you've been a fan for a while. What would be something you say, like when you're watching tennis that separates it from other sports that you follow, but pause in that question. What other sports do you follow? If you follow any of, any of them besides tennis? Baseball. Really? So you are yeah. getting the double whammy of what people are calling the old uh-huh. people sport. <laughs> yep. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> Oh yeah, I love baseball. Um, yeah, so if I'm not watching tennis in terms of sports, I'm watching baseball. And you don't so, fall asleep? Um, no, God no, 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 no. I, so, so again, like another sport that I, I wasn't so great at, but I loved. 
Uh, I used to play baseball when I was younger in um, middle school and then in, uh, like uh, probably ninth grade in high school. Um, so yeah, I love baseball. Um, got to go to one of the uh, early World Series games. I think that was hmm, some time ago, um, back when it was hosted in a national stadium. Um, it was a standing room only ticket. Uh huh. Don't, don't, it was the, the playoffs game. It was one of the playoffs games. Like doesn't DC still a baseball team? Is it the Nationals? The Nationals, yeah, yeah. I'm so far removed from baseball. I actually used to be kind of tuned in um, when I had like a. It was like the PlayStation Two era. I used to have a, a MLB game or whatever. What was that? Um, I guess it was EA Sports related. Uh-huh. <laughs> I used to have a yeah. baseball game. No idea how I played that and thought it was fun. Because looking back on it, baseball is. But to me, baseball is as boring as to what people say tennis and or golf is. Because, gotcha. you know, yeah. it's not it's it's not timed or quick or explosive mm-hmm. in a, in certain ways. But I mean, I, I, I do see, I, you know, it's I, I, if somebody gave me tickets to um, well, the closest thing I have is the New Orleans Zephyrs. And maybe that's the reason why I'm not into baseball like that, because we don't have a, a major league team in Louisiana. But if somebody gave yeah. me free tickets to a Dodgers game, I'm going to get my hot dog and have a great old time. You should. You should. It's a great experience. Have you have you ever actually been to any of the tennis tournaments? Not Grand Slams. Any any tennis tournament of any level? Um, so I've been to the Castle tournaments that are hosted in D.C. Uh, World Team Tennis? I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that, it was that, that sounds like when, yeah, Washington Castles and World Team Tennis. If mm-hmm. for listeners that don't know, is basically like how do I describe it? World Team Tennis is where the uh, it's a, a great a great equivalent is like the Pro Bowl of football, but it's just there. They have different um, teams for different cities in America, and um, big name players play each other just for, I don't want to say just for shits and giggles because they definitely win money and there's some competitiveness there but it's more of a team effort in, in entertainment based as compared to just competition prize money I want to beat you because I want to beat you based you know right but that's a good one that's not I've never been to a uh world tour wait what did I just say world Team t- world world team tennis match. I've never been to one. I would I would like to go. Besides yeah. the court, was it w- were the courts colorful? Were they like colorful and full of blocks of color? I, you are asking me something I don't remember. I, I went back <laughs> in. This was this was back in like two thousand and nine or something like that. Um, uh, this is when I lit like when I first when I was in college. Um, so back in DC. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a while. Um, was anybody there that you remember? Like any player there? Venus was there. Really? Yeah. I think Venus still does play for the Washington Castles. I might be wrong because I don't follow World Team Tennis with like too much enthusiasm, but she might still play for the Washington Castles whenever World Team Tennis is in is in season. You know what's funny? When I when you were when I asked you the question, what player did you see? <laughs> I thought about a story I had and you said oh nine. And this this happened to me around yeah. 09. Serena was actually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana for a exhibition event. Mm-hmm. And back in 09, I was smack dab in like my sophomore year of high school or something. And I think I had tickets to that event, but it uh-huh. fell during basketball season. And I was on the basketball team and I'm not tooting my own horn, but if I didn't play the game, the likelihood of us being impactful and winning 
went down some. <laughs> Not to Mount Horn, but you know, I'm I'm tall and relatively athletic. And at that point, I was probably way more athletic than I am now. I know I am. So I basically had to choose between did I want to go to that tennis, did I want to go to that exhibition event or play whatever tournament we were in or whatever. And I remember being really upset because we got our ass whooped on a basketball uh, court that day. And I was just like, why am I here? I could have been, in, I could have been in Baton Rouge at LSU Tiger stadium or wherever, or wherever Serena was playing. And then it was all over the news and the newspapers. And I was like, I should have been here, but whatever. I, I've gotten closer to Serena because I went to Indian Wells a couple of years back. So a dream deferred one day I'll be in the same, the same, stadium is her when she is throwing down aces but that's that's cool so this is exactly why i wanted you on the podcast because you have experiences in the sport so that's a good thing yeah yeah but my my uh i think my my, my crown jewel in terms of uh tennis matches was i went to the french uh the french open two, yes in 2019 when did i not know this how did i not know I, this i don't know how you didn't know <laughs> I have a picture of it posted on my, uh, I can send you some video. Um, you know, you know what, yeah. if you think it's a cute picture, I'm going to use that picture in like the promotional tag. When I like insert audio <laughs> from the, from the podcast, I'm gonna use that picture. Cause it makes sense. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you how, like, when did, did you go during the middle weekend? Cause you know, it's two, it's for people that don't know about the French open or the grand slams. They're two weeks. Um, yeah. and, uh, which weekend did you go? Like, did you go championship weekend with the big so, money ballers or the middle weekend? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went in the middle of the week. I want to say it was like a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. It was June 6th. I remember the day. Mm. Um, and it was supposed to be a semifinal day. Um, it ended up being quarterfinals because it rained. It got rained out the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up watching um, Simona Halep and Anna Samova and then uh, Good match. Djokovic and Zverev. Yeah. Good good matches right Zverev. there. We don't uh, yeah. uh Zverev is a little controversial Zverev. and as is Djokovic, but um Yeah. So <laughs> those are the two matches I got to watch. That's what's up. You you got you got to watch the the now of the sport and the future of the sport because Amanda Nisimova is what people are claiming to be like, you know, the next wave of American tennis. If she can, you know, get her stuff together, I think she might be, but that, that's really cool. And she won that match and she wasn't supposed yes, to. Yes, she did. Yep. She did. It was, that was definitely an upset. Look at you. Well, it you, was quick you, too. That, yeah, that match yeah, was like. She beat her ass. 45 minutes. I mean, it was yeah. swift. I want to say, was it a, was it a bagel? No, no, no. It was like six two six four. Um you. Oh, Simona Halep bageled Anissa Mova this year in the French Open. That's what I'm not this year, excuse me, 2020, which feels like two minutes ago at this point. So <laughs> I was trying to segue into the trivia I wanted to play with you to to okay. to gauge what you know about the basis of the, the basics of the sport and the popular players in the sport and also give our listeners some insight into what they some fun facts or questions uh, and answers to the sport about tennis that they should know if they are a fan of the podcast, which you should be. Um, <laughs> and Or if you're a fan of the podcast and you come for the mess and stay for the tennis, then this is for you. Cause some, some, some of my listeners come for the pop culture and then the tennis is just like, Oh, I don't know too much about that, but I'm coming to listen to miles talk. So this is for you. So let's get into the first one. If, if I have some cool, Alex Trebek Jeopardy type music. I'm going to insert it here <laughs> okay, okay. when I edit the when I edit the podcast. 
Okay. What I have pulled up here is the quote-unquote ultimate tennis quiz. How much do you know about tennis? Let's take a look at this quick ace quiz. Uh, quote-unquote ace. Ace is a, is a word you might want to know or jot down if you don't know anything about tennis. So let's get into it. Are you a tennis trivia champ? And we're going to take this 20-question quiz and see where you fall. And it's multiple choice. And I'm trying to see if there's if, – if the question is too easy, I'm just going to make it fill in the blank for you. I got okay. to right. challenge you a little bit. That's a, okay. All right. <laughs> you, ready, you ready for the first one? I'm ready. Okay. So in tennis, when the score is called at 40-40, what is it also known or otherwise called? Is it even Stevens, equal, Deuce. draw? You didn't even let me get to the answer. <laughs> well, you knew. You knew it, though. You knew it. I'm not mad at that. Yes. When tennis, when in tennis terminology, when it, when, to break it down further, when both players have scored four points apiece in a game, it is called deuce. So if anybody has used the verbiage deuce around you, it basically insinuates that the score within that specific game is tied. So moving on to second question. Let's see. <laughs> what is an ace? It is a, is it a trick shot, a ball which is not returned by the server's opponent, a ball which is smashed into the net, or a serve that hits an opponent in the legs? Uh, it's an unreturnable serve. Boom. So it means the tennis, the person not serving, the returner, they couldn't get their racket on it, and it went in the box and untouched. So what Serena, yes. it's what Serena does a lot or is known for. <laughs> yes, in, yes. Insert Serena ace here. Oh, this is a, this is a tricky one, um, but it, 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 it gives – if you get it wrong, it gives you some space to do some research. And if the listeners have no idea what the answer is, you can you can research this too. Because I don't, I'm not sure I know what the answer to this one is. <laughs> okay, all right. In which year did the Wimbledon Championships start? So I'm going to give you some years here, so you can choose. Okay. Did it start in 1877, 1949, 1976, or 1919? 1877. Wrong. It Wait, actually, say it again? You said, I said, which, which year the Wimbledon Championships start? It didn't start in the 1800s, which you would kind of think it did because it's been around Wimbledon for Wimbledon didn't so start in the 1800s? It's like, it's the oldest championship, though. It is. It is, but you can think about it in terms of context. It started in 1919, which is still a long time ago. <laughs> really? Yep. It, it, wow. Okay. <laughs> we're we're going to have to re, we're going to have to revisit that question. Why? Because right? uh, uh, 1919, that could have been, that was the end. Are you insinuating uh, that I am wrong? I, I think so. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think so. Because 1919 was the end of the that that was just after i believe world war one had just ended mm -hmm. uh and t wimbledon was around prior to that and i am googling it is 1877 i know i heard that somewhere and it was actually oh wait well why why, why is this why is this quiz not telling me when something is wrong because i clicked on 1919 and it gave me like a ying, ying, ying. <laughs> <laughs> i don't appreciate that it definitely it's gave me like a little it gave me a little gold star how dare this how dare they play in my face like that 
Well, let me hold on. Let me let me go back to one of these earlier questions and see if I pressed the wrong answer and it gives me the wrong thing. It does. So how am I supposed to know if I got it right? Hold on. Hold on. Pause. Pause. Because this ain't right. This ain't right. I'm glad you checked me because I sure would have went on thinking Wimbledon started at 1919. <laughs> I, I I was like I remember that I remember that because like some like you have you ever watched like the uh, the commercial sometimes um, during Wimbledon they give yeah, yeah, like yeah. a little bit of like sure. history behind it mm-hmm. and um, I had also done some kind of research especially when I was looking up to try to figure out like what was considered like the open era versus uh, the all time records and what was the difference between like amateur players versus professional back then and um, so that was kind of how I stumbled upon it. And I remember that I remember Wimbledon specifically just because of how old it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the French or the U S open is second, the French is third. And then the Australian is the newest. And I remember that the Australian was the only one that got started in the 1900s. Hmm. Well, I think the, now that I've scanned the rest of these questions I have for you in this specific quiz, I think the rest of them are no brainer answers that I know. So I'm glad we checked that. So for listeners, Wimbledon started, Wimbledon Championships in London started in 1877, not 1919. Like I said, loud and wrong. (laughs) Well, speaking of Wimbledon, uh, we we probably mentioned this earlier, but if you weren't paying attention, this is a a great uh, point to perk your ears up. The Wimbledon Championships are played on which surface? Grass, clay, gravel, or hard court? Grass grass the good old slick grass you know fun fact about the grass the this is from a tennis pot this is from a tennis podcast that i listen to pretty uh, frequently and they're actually based in london so funny enough how that is linked but they were describing a tennis match that started the shift of changing the actual grass surface in tennis because mm-hmm. it was almost too quick to play to play out entertaining points it was basically serve return, miss serve, or come in for a volley. And I believe it was the 1992 Wimbledon final. Not 100% sure about that, but I do know it was the final of Wimbledon uh, where Pete Sampras faced Goran Ivanicevic and Pete Sampras won. And it was like 7-6, 7-6, 7-6. And everybody was like, that, like that might sound in theory like a wonderfully exciting match, but not if it's just serve dominated and the person isn't getting the serve back. So I think the, the write-up at the time for the reporters with that was that they got to do something about this because we're not about to watch this for three hours and all they right. do is serving and returning. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and uh, check that match out. Uh, it, actually, I think the highlights, you'd be surprised what's on, what's on YouTube, but I'm pretty sure the highlights are on YouTube, but good luck at finding it entertaining because, like I said, they're just serving and returning and eventually Pete Sampras wins because that's, that's how he won most of his Wimbledon championships. <laughs> this, this quiz loves Wimbledon. So keeping with the, the theme of Wimbledon, which is the best tennis tournament, who won mm-hmm. the... Who won the 2019 men's singles event at Wimbledon? Was it Boris Becker, Roger Federer, Andy Murray, or Novak Djokovic? <laughs> I'm weak. This at Boris Becker. <laughs> why do I uh, hold on? Why do I not remember this? You should, uh, because your boy was close. I know, I know, but I feel like I should remember this match much better. Yeah, but I'm yeah, you gonna say it was. Should. It was Djokovic. It was Djokovic. Djokovic won the 2019 men's singles uh, title at Wimbledon over Roger Federer after Roger Federer had two match points. Yeah. 
kids. So, and that's, I don't know how, I don't know how fondly, you know how, you know how sometimes after time passes, people look at matches differently. I wonder how we're going to look at that match in 2029, if we're all here. Um, (laughs) So I wonder how Tennis History is going to look on that match, because that's, that definitely should have been Roger Federer's title, but he didn't actually bring home the trophy that day, or not the winner's trophy, at least, but sometimes the chips fall where they may and then also that year next question who in 2019 won the women's singles championship that year was it Garbine Muguruza Serena Williams Venus Williams or Simona Halep Halep unfortunately yeah that that year was very unfortunate for Serena because that's the quarter (laughs) that's the quarterfinal where she was up 5-1 and twisted her ankle um, no, that was at that was at the Australian Open. That was the Australian. I'm saying, but that, mm-hmm. yeah, 29. I'm, I'm just saying that year. Oh like, yeah, I, I that, that year, year definitely. That year. Yeah, um, you, you said when you said you went to the French Open in 2019. I, in the back of my mind, I was like, damn, you picked a terrible year to go as a Serena fan because yeah, she, she was out in the third round. Kennan, in third round, Sophia Kennan, who you know, that's looking back on it, that's not a bad win because Sophia Kennan has proved herself to be somewhat of a, you know, well, not not somewhat a, a big title contender. But at the time, there was a major upset because people didn't know who that girl was back yeah. in June of 2019. They had no idea who she was. At least I didn't, not for real, for real. Yeah, I, I was so hopeful when I got in there. I was like, you know, this is going to be the year I'm going to watch her. Because, again, like I, my ticket, I was, I think that day was set to be a, um, a semifinal and um, of course, it got rained out, but she went out in in the third round that year, and it was on my birthday, no less. So, um, you know what's funny? That women's singles final where she lost to Halep was on my birthday. So I feel your pain. And the final, the final where Muguruza, right, the the yeah. final where Muguruza beat Venus on my birthday at Wimbledon. Wimbledon falls like the championship weekend tends to fall either on my birthday or somewhere around it. So, whoever wins typically affects my mood <laughs> in the, yeah, the past yeah, the yeah. past couple of moods have not been great because 2019 serena lost in the final 2018 serena lost in the final 2017 venus lost in the final so you know i know we're, we're gonna get another two out of her for sure I, I, I out of serena yes fingers crossed i personally am not putting weight on it if it happens it happens if it does not i'm still going to stand her until oh of course the end another of word for stand yeah <laughs> but yeah i'm not putting pressure on her she's done more than i could ever have asked of her as a fan than i could have asked so i'm 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 good on it so dang this this questionnaire really wants us to love wimbledon okay this is another question <laughs> How many times has Andy Murray plays for Great Britain? How many times has Andy Murray won Wimbledon in men's singles? Oh, is this an open-ended question? Yes, because there's the answer does not go above five <laughs> <laughs> or close to five. Uh, three. Close. Knock it down one, and you got your answer. Oh, two. Yep, he won. <laughs> he won his first Wimbledon championship in 2013, which. That win in 2013, if you, I think I'll I'll try to find the moment he won um, that title back in 2013. That was a defining moment in his his career. It was his second overall Grand Slam tournament, but he ended the drought of the last time a British man won that tournament in London since I want, since I want to say Fred Perry back in eons and eons ago. So he broke a long drought and that was a moment 
for everybody that, you know, loves the British flag. That was a huge moment and the, the, the crowd was basically, you could, you could feel the crowd through, through the television. So that was a really good moment for tennis for sure. This next question is completely irrelevant. <laughs> this is a good question, also about Wimbledon. What shape trophy do the ladies singles winner receive at Wimbledon? So I'll give you some, I'll give you some uh, examples or some potential answers. Uh, it, is it cup-shaped? Is it a large dish? Is it a, trophy, is it a trophy shaped like a tennis racket? Or is it a big golden tennis ball? What, what does a trophy look like? It's that big, like, silver plate. Silver and gold, no Kirk Franklin. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's like the, the edges of it are like like trimmed in gold, right? Mm -hmm. but the majority of it is like a big, yes, yeah, yeah. Do you know what it's called? Bonus, bonus I, question. I don't. I don't. It is actually called the Venus Rosewater Dish. It's go. even named after Venus. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I, I've always thought that was interesting. And a part of me feels a certain type of way that Serena has more Wimbledon championships now than Venus. But, you know, Venus is still going to be obviously a easy pick for the Hall of Fame. I just wish that Venus had a couple more Wimbledon championships than Serena because the, the name of the damn trophy has Venus in it. <laughs> That's okay. okay. You don't always have to be, uh, quote, unquote, number one to be the best at it. So mm. That's that argument about. <laughs> Margaret Court and Serena, right? Uh, yeah, so there you go. That's Margaret Court is just so sour looking, literally and figuratively. Just <laughs> looks sour. Um, speaking speaking mm. of sour and keeping in line with Wimbledon questions, <laughs> what kind of fruit is traditionally served with cream at Wimbledon? And that's the open that's the open ended question because I think you know it. Strawberries, strawberries and cream. So if you're ever watching yeah. Wimbledon, if fingers crossed, since we're talking about Wimbledon, fingers crossed that we have Wimbledon this year because it was canceled in 2020 due to the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but they were actually able to, to cancel it pretty early and effectively because they had pandemic insurance. So they're going to, they're not losing money from not having that tournament, but I'm, I'm pretty right. sure it was a one-time deal because they got, oh, yeah. they got, yeah, they got, they got millions of dollars in kickback because they had that insurance policy. So hopefully it goes, it goes off this year, even with, you know, COVID still affecting the tennis tournaments and the tennis tour. Hopefully it still happens. And if you are looking in the crowd and players, not players, and the, the fans are eating, they are most likely eating strawberries and cream. It is a staple. Yeah. In yes. Let's see. Okay, tennis, tennis basic question everybody should know. How many points does love mean in tennis? Is it 0, 15, 30, or 40? Zero. Nothing. Zero. If anybody's love is not kind in tennis, love is where you start. But if you don't get above love, then you're not doing well. <laughs> you're not doing well at all. Love is great in every other sport except tennis. If you love is zero, I think there's like shirts and a brand that's called love is zero. Love means zero. But yep, love equals zero in tennis. I don't quite know how to audibly explain that because tennis is just one of those things that you just I wouldn't say you just kind of get it or you don't, because there's definitely ways where it can be like, you know, example, like having these conversations can allow you to get scope on tennis. But the scoring of it is interesting, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. um, I heard that the, um, that the scoring, the, the, re the reason why the scoring goes the way that it does, it's um, based off of a, a, an incorrect like translation from like French. And so when they loosely translated the words over, it kind of, um, 
translated the way that we know mm -hmm. in English. How, how I don't want to say it because I don't know if it's like another one of your questions. Mm -hmm. um, Not. <laughs> I don't oh, think okay. so. And if, and if it is, I'll just skip right over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that the whole like love 15, 30, 40 game um, is basically it, it was like some translation and maybe it wasn't French, whatever, the, but it was, it was coming from another language of how they were scoring it. And that's how they ended up skipping, you know, why, why do you end the game at? Why you end the game at 40 of, or 40 yeah. is the 40 is indicated that you're about to win the game and love is the and, indicator that you haven't won a point. <laughs> right. And technically when you win the game is really, I guess it's, maybe it's just game. Like, it's, it's just yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> there's no more points. Score, so, like, oh, yeah. you won. There's no like extra, there's not like extra number you shout out to say you won. You're just like, you won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Game. How do you go from like 15 to 30, uh, 15 point game to, to 30 and then 10, you know, 30 to, to 40. So it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think the 15, yeah. <laughs> the 15 to 30 makes sense. That's an increment of 15. I don't understand why they didn't do another increment of 15 because it would have it would have helped it, it would have helped it be easier to digest you know 15 yeah. 30 and then what's it 45 but, but I, I think that's what it was right is that that game is quote unquote the 45 mark uh, and I, I read it somewhere it was like some history of well, tennis thing if I, you if you want to know go go google it google is free guys yeah. As, is, as is this podcast look at that <laughs> okay so in a game of doubles how many players are on the court at the same time in totality another open-ended question because i think you know the answer total four mm -hmm. boom doubles is where there are partners on the court so typically tennis is usually a game of mano y mano you against me one person against one person, Serena against Venus. <laughs> um, but sometimes, and oftentimes, actually, the the way that most recreational most recreational players play that aren't playing for millions of dollars at Wimbledon on the U.S. Open, they play doubles because it's easier on your body in the sense that you don't have to take up the whole entire court or cover the whole entire court, and you have somebody there to entertain you and and play good shots when you're not playing good shots. So yeah, doubles is one of the slept on entertainment spots of the sport because you can actually see somebody get hit more often than you can in doubles than you can in, in singles because in singles you got to come to the net and it's, you know, there's more room to pass but in doubles personally if you're if you're on the other side of the net i'm not purposely when i play i'm not purposely going to hit you but you know if it happens then all it just fair. happens it just happens all <laughs> fair <laughs> okay let's see oh complete the following complete the following phrase game set and blank match Boom. Game, set, and match means the match you're playing is over with. It is completed, and the winner has been announced, and the final point has been played. All right. Switching gears. That was pretty self-explanatory, I think. If you don't know, then Google it. <laughs> um, this, is a good, this is a good question um, that you might not know the answer to, but I think you will. And I'm, I'm going to give you some, some, some credit. Give me some credit. Uh, I'll give you some credit. <laughs> Who was nicknamed the Siberian Siren for grunting when they hit the ball? Is it Anna Kornikova, uh, Alina Dementieva, <clears throat> Nadia Petrova, or Maria Sharapova? Sharapova. You don't seem too confident in wanting to say her name. Why is that? <laughs> I'm, I'm confident in who it is. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm confident in who it is. <laughs> you sound like you don't like her, that's all. <laughs> uh, you know... It is an interesting sound. Uh, I feel like there's some some nuance behind like my feelings on on uh, that particular player, um, but that's a conversation for a different 
different podcast. <laughs> it is. And I actually, I actually, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, I actually have a podcast coming up. I'm thinking, I think I'm going to release it in February that's dedicated to her career because I think her career is as much it is as much as her name is globally known, internationally known, there are some things about her story that I feel like I, with a couple of other special guests, can flush out more or at least make a little more entertaining to listen to. Um, even though Sharapova is not my favorite player and has a direct link of aggro or like, uh, what's the word? Aggro is the word, but what's another word for aggro? Um, there's tension between her and my favorite player, Serena. There's clear tension, documented tension. She still deserves her um, her place in the sport to me. So there's a certain level of respect there for sure. Yeah. So I'm yeah. gonna give her I'm gonna give her her flowers on the podcast sooner rather than later. <laughs> okay, last two questions are about um, your fave. So which nationality is tennis legend Roger Federer? French, German, Scottish, or Swiss? Swiss. <laughs> Yep, he is Swiss and everybody loves him because he is neutral to a fault for the most part. He just has yes. a very easygoing, um, once I've gotten to like him, I'll say that. He just has a very easygoing, um, there's not really too much to dislike. You, I, I, if, I, if I wanted to be, if I wanted to be, you know, if I wanted to be like that, I guess I could say he definitely benefits from the privilege of the sport he plays in looking the way he does, which I think he absolutely does. He, yeah, he does yeah. do that, but... um. He doesn't do it in an obnoxious way. So for that, I do give him all the credit, for sure. He just comes yes. up like a guy that um, would buy you a beer, you know? Yeah, yeah. He comes off like that. How many Grand Slam titles has Roger Federer won up until this point of his career? And I'm not going to give you any numbers. <laughs> 20. 20, 2-0. Do you know, bonus question, do you know when his last Grand Slam title win was and where was it? Jeez, uh... Ooh, it wasn't that long ago. Technically, it wasn't that long ago. Was it 18? Mm -hmm. It was 18, and I want to say it was at... Was it Wimbledon? No. Okay. You'll have to fill me in on which one it Australia. was. I, I can't remember. Australia. Okay. He won the 2018 Australian Open, defending his title <laughs> in the 2017 Australian Open. So that was his last major trophy championship lift. Okay. So that is the end of uh, uh, interesting questionnaire that uh, we need to flush out and I need to uh, talk to this website provider about how to actually make sure you know you're getting the right answer so you don't walk away thinking that Wimbledon started in 1919 like I did. So <laughs> let's see. So yeah, this, the, this next quiz is a little bit more elementary school friendly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's not very long and it's more, it's more about the scoring and the actual action actions that take place in the sport so let's go so in tennis scoring is not in traditional numerical order like we alluded to earlier scoring points goes as follows love 15 30 blank game which number is missing 40 mm -hmm. this this particular quiz does not flush out why that is and then again like i said it's really hard to flush out why the scoring system is not in traditional numerical order like football or basketball where it's just like 
a point means one thing or a point. Well, I, mean, I guess in football, if you can if you can keep track of football, you can keep track of tennis because in football, like a a score means six points, and then an additional one is seven. Then there's this gray area of a safety and like a field goal. So there's every sport has their own net scoring point system. Just tennis, for whatever reason, gets a bad rep for being quote unquote hard, but it's not hard. It's not hard at all. It's not. It's easy to keep track of. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. Uh, next question. A series of balls hit after a bounce in the game of tennis is known as a I'll give you some I'll give you some answer choices. A let, lob, or rally. Series of balls hit after the first bounce. A series of balls hit after a bounce in the game. Oh, okay. Uh a rally. Yep. So a rally is basically what you see when you turn on your television and tennis players are playing there, if, if the point is, if the point and the ball is in play and they're hitting it between each other, they are playing what is called a rally. Now the words let and lob are important in tennis. A lob is a specific shot where the ball is given air, almost kind of like a, I guess to make it make sense to other sports fans, almost like a Hail Mary in football. It's a, it's a it's a it's a shot that's a, uh, it's supposed to go over your opponent's head and still land in the court, and then a let is when um, you are serving and the ball clips the top of the the uh, the, t- the tape or the the top of the net. So you play a let and basically play that point over. So the more you know. <laughs> yeah, but the let has to land in the service box for it to still be a let. Yes, for you to. For yes, 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 yes. If if the ball if the ball hits the top of the net when you're serving and it goes outside of the designated box, that is still considered a fault. Yes. Oh, and next next question. What is it called when a player hits the serve into the net? A fault. Look at that. I answered the question. Look at that. <laughs> that worked perfectly. <laughs> Let's see. What other questions do we want to get into on here? How many opportunities does a server get to place their serve inside the designated box? Two. Two. And what is it called when you don't get that serve in after two attempts? Double fault. Boom. Something that I do way too often. <laughs> for my height. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would think tennis, I, I actually, what time is it? Do I have time? Yeah, I have plenty of time today. I think I might actually go to the court and get some, some serves in because at this point, I just feel like I'm too tall to be double faulting. And it's just not okay. It's not okay. My my ancestors are just not pleased with that. <laughs> yeah, what did they what did they say the uh, the remedy to that is? You toss the ball a little bit forward. Uh, That's actually a, what a, I'm working placement's on. Placements a little bit more forward than where you serve at. You yeah, naturally. You, the, the 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 ball toss in tennis is supposed to supposed to air quotes because it doesn't always happen that way because there's different variables like the weather or the wind that day or just your arm being tight or whatever. Right. Um, it's supposed to go like a couple inches below, above where your racket is if you fully extend your arm. So that's the that's the goal. And if the the taller you are, the easier the angle is supposed to be to get it over the net, which it is. But as we both know, it's not getting over the net is just half the battle. You got to get in the yes. right spot. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's just half the battle. Okay. That tennis quiz was short, and a lot of the questions I'm seeing on this particular quiz were kind of sort of answered either in our previous uh, list of questions or in our conversation. So we're going to move on to something a little bit more, let's see, shall we say player specific? Let's see. 
This is where it's going to get dicey for me. A little bit, because, but I think this is relatively easy. And this is the point podcast that I really want listeners to pick up on because this is kind of where, for me, knowing people's names in the sport gives gave me a basis to research and Google and fall down YouTube holes and realize these players' stories as to how they became prominent in household names. So this quiz or open, open-ended question format is how many of the ATP and WTA world number one ranked players can you name since 1973? Now I'm not, I'm not expecting you to start at 1973 and work and work up to 2020 because I couldn't even do that. But do you want a minute or two minutes to give your answers? I'm not giving um, eight because the podcast would be all, we'd be here all day. <laughs> how about I give you at least? How about I give you at least uh, at least five each? I, I think I can manage that. Oh, five players each. I was going to give you a time frame to see how many names you can actually shout out, like in a minute. Oh, I don't know. I pr- probably five is where I'm at max out. That's you know what we, we, can, know. we can we can we can work with that. Okay, so you want to do men? You want to do ATP or WTA first? Uh, let's, let's go with, uh, WTA. And I'm going to, so when, like when you say their name, there's like a little system here that allows me to type it in to see if you're right. Even though I know if you're right. <laughs> okay. Of course. Of course. Uh, so uh, the, the easiest of course is going to be Serena and Venus. Boom. Do you uh, know, fun fact, do you know when, because both of them actually touched world number one in the same year. Do you know what year it was and what time it was for each of them? No, but I'm going to go with 2002. Boom, you are correct. I I don't know what time. I want to say Venus went to number one first. She did in February of 2002. And Serena had to have been in like July. Boom, yep. After she won her first Wimbledon championship in 2002, she became world ranked number one and only the second African-American world ranked number one player after her sister. Boom. Look, history look, makers look at that look at that so we got you <laughs> got two world number ones easy enough give, give me three more the same house um okay so we have uh what uh nervala talova i can never pronounce her name <laughs> now now you butchered it you did a, you, you, did, you, you, you did a good butcher you, you, you butchered it <laughs> let's go with something better uh uh monica sellis mm-hmm. Steph, great player Steph, uh steffi graf uh mm-hmm. chrissy ever billy mm-hmm. jean king uh, i actually pause i actually don't let me let me type her name in is that wrong is that i not, don't believe not I, I don't believe as much as billy jean she was king, in the 70s right yeah billy jean king came billy jean king for players that don't know her or uh, listeners that don't know her name, Billie Jean King is credited for creating the WTA Tour, which is the Women's Tennis Association where women can play professionally on the sport. She was the spearheader and basically CEO of the entire movement to get women's tennis players recognized and paid. Um, back then, they were nowhere near paid equally. And now we've gotten to a, a spot where they, I don't think, yeah, I think every Grand Slam pays the men and the women equally but that was not the case for a long time but i don't this 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 uh this quiz site is confirming what i think i know that she actually was never ranked world number one then you know what wikipedia gonna tell me if it's number one i'm gonna feel like such a dumbass (laughs) it was oh you know what in 1973 
It, is that what it says? You, you Googled it? 19, yep, 19, 1973. Uh, oh, no, what? I take that back. It's telling me, Wikipedia is telling me, the first time she got to number one was 1967. And that's a weird gap because I don't think they were using computerized ranking systems. So she mm-hmm. was world number one because she was and is a, a, a wonderful champion. But I don't believe off of a technicality that she is was a world number one ranked player, which is kind of a shame. But, you know, when, when you think about tennis, especially women's tennis, you got to think about Billie Jean King. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Maybe maybe it's the 1973 bit since 1973. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it was earlier than 73, and that's why it's not coming up. Yeah, I, I just typed in Venus and Serena's name on this, on this uh, entry list, and their names were giving me green dots but not billy jean king so i think it is the the 1973 okay. the 1973 part but if you um know nothing about billy jean king i can't believe i'm promoting something i haven't watched but everyone says the recent billy jean king movie that featured emma stone i believe um yeah i haven't <laughs> i haven't watched it either but i'm that's but that's because i'm 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 familiar with the story that they're replaying. They're basically replaying the, that uh, the time in the late seventies, either either late seventies, early eighties, where Billie Jean King took on a male player in the infamous battle of the sexes. And she actually won, which started the movement to getting women's tennis players more respect and uh, closer to equal prize money. And just generally getting the, the appreciation of, the world because she won that match on the heels of playing for women, basically. Fun, Mm -hmm. we're talking about Margaret Court, fun fact that people don't know. There was a battle of the sexes before Billie Jean King took place and Margaret Court was the woman playing the man. But Margaret Court specifically said that she is not playing for women's rights or women's equal prize money because that wasn't what she stood for, which is, on brand to who she is as an old woman anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's very on brand. So I can tell they probably hated her back then. They probably was like, this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I can I, I can completely see it. I can, based off what based off what she has said, I mean in Mar- Court, Margaret Court is a champion um from the same era a little bit of as Billie Jean King. And she's from Australia and she's won the all-time record number of grand slams at 24 the number that serena williams is chasing that's that to make that make sense if you ever if you ever see that graphic on espn um but she also has a very very outdated and controversial views she's spoken out about uh lgbt rights and gay marriage and she's just made some questionable moments and even dating back to like i said 1973 she was not with the shits of moving women forward she just wanted to get her get her little paycheck and move and move mosey on along (laughs) so we talked about women i think we named more than five women that held the top ranking what about men and you can't give me Uh, you can't give me roger federer (laughs) actually i I could make it hard on you and say don't say roger rafa or (laughs) okay so we're gonna go roger uh, I can't give you him. So Rafa, uh, Novak, uh, Sampras, mm-hmm. Murray, Andy Murray, yeah, uh, Bork, 
Beyond Borg, yes. Yep. Uh, what about Ivan Sabek, right? Who? Who and who? <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't pronounce his name. You know who I'm talking about? Yvonne Lindell? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Goran, Goran, how do you pronounce oh, his name? Oh, Goran Ivanisevic, yes. There you go. Uh, he, he was never world number one. He only won, not, not to say that you can't be world number one and only win one major, t- one Grand Slam title, but he did only win one. <laughs> right, because I'm, I mean, there's on the women's side, there are women who have uh, been number one, but not won a slam. Yep, and there there's some on the men's side too. They're just, it, there's not as many. Yeah. Um, so th- there's my list. Boom. I think I got you five. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You you are you are knowing more than the average person that sits at, at that sits in uh, Buffalo Wild Wings when they got tennis playing. Trust me. <laughs> so you have Tennis Channel playing behind you, like I can see, right? How yes. long have you, how long have you had Tennis Channel? Like how long do you remember Tennis Channel being a part of your life, kind of? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Wait, I, 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 I get mean, it. In, in the last like maybe three or four years, I've had the tennis channel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a like because I'm paying for it. An adult, at this point. yeah, an adult, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah pro- probably it's, since it's like, low key a privilege. It's low key a privilege because they don't make it. It doesn't come with the base package. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't come with anyone's base package. Like there's no there's no TV streaming service or cable package or satellite service that offers you tennis channel with the base payment, which is part of the problem in uh, tennis popularity, I will say. I will say. But because everything is everything is under like a paywall kind of like everything is yeah. attached to a subscription fee and then don't get even don't get me started into how much how expensive it is to act to actually play and then you make it expensive to view too. I just don't understand yeah. why. Because I mean the slams are on the like three, ABC yeah. or something like that. No, so three of the three of the four Grand Slams, Australia, Australia, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open have ESPN has the rights to air those basically from the beginning to the end, and the Tennis Channel does have some rights as well. But the the head honcho, if you will, for those three Grand Slams is ESPN. So you can watch that in in this year. The Australian Open plays in February, but traditionally January. July-ish and then September-ish, those three tournaments. The French Open is a little bit more stubborn and they, ESPN used to share, ESPN used to have the rights to the French Open, but that stopped in like 09-ish. And from there, from then on, it's been spotty. And then now the tennis channel for the past couple of years basically has all the coverage for that tournament. But other than that, it's just ESPN for those three tournaments and a tennis channel for everything else. And you know, you and I both know there's tennis tennis played outside of those three tournaments all the time. <laughs> and tennis channel yeah. gets, gets all of it. So speaking of tennis channel, they did a 100 greatest tennis players of all time list back in 2012. And you mm-hmm. don't have, you obviously don't have to name all 100, but how many do you think you can name? All time, men and women, men and women, all time. And this is, and this, this was, you know, saying somebody is the mm. greatest tennis player ever is definitely subjective, not objective. There are certain ways you can look at it objectively, but for the most part, it is a matter of question as to what you find great. Um, and how recent are these people on the list? So the list goes back. Like, from, when was this done? You- 
this this was it was originally done in 2012 but the actual players on the list vary greatly from like Serena's era to Billie Jean King's era okay so you got a wide market of players that could be on it and then also Roger Federer's era to Agassiz's era or Bjorn Borg era yep um, I feel like it's it's gonna be everybody that we've <laughs> just mentioned kind of already. Mentioned already. <laughs> uh, who, who haven't I mentioned? Maybe Arthur Ashe. Arthur uh, Ashe is on the list. Would be let up me, there. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's on the list. Let me double check. Uh, shout out to Arthur Ashe. He is a, a trailblazer who I feel like one people have allowed over time to kind of fall through the cracks in a way. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't get remembered the way I truly think he does deserve to get remembered because he still is I'm 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 saying this with a little bit of uncertainty but I'm pretty sure he is still the last black man to win a Grand Slam championship Uh, which is insane yeah like there's there's been not even there you know there's certain there's certain black players who play um, who don't play for the American flag, but Arthur Ashe did. Not even the black players that play for other other countries have won a Grand Slam, which is an, uh, another podcast for a different day as to why black men kind of haven't pushed through that ceiling of tennis. But good answer. Yeah. Arthur Ashe is on there. Who else can you think of? Uh, who else ha- that we haven't talked about, right? Um, oh, so like, let's think let's about, talk about you know some what? of the let's, people who would like the courts are named after, right? So like Suzanne. England. Um, yep, 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 yep. I'm pretty sure she made the list. Let me double check. She did. Said Good job. Margaret Court. Of course. Uh, uh, McEnroe. John McEnroe. Uh, great answer. Agassi. Mm-hmm. Um, Hingis. Martina Hingis. Yep. She um, made the list from Switzerland. A good rival of Venus. Actually, um, if you want to watch, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to drop this link to this video on the um in the podcast description you, you might might want to watch it too uh so since quarantine kind of hit the, the grand slams have been opening up their archives to youtube to get people to watch i think they have dropped or are about to drop the match that venus williams played against martina hingis in the 2000 us open which is considered a very classic match and kind of a turning point in her career because at that point she was on like a winning streak i think she mm-hmm. either i think she either had just won the gold medal in sydney olympics in 2000 or was um so I know she had just won Wimbledon um, and she had not won the US Open yet so that match was pivotal because she was so close to losing it so I'll put that in the pocket yeah. description so you can kind of get some context as context as to who Martina Hingis is and as to what Venus Williams looked like when she was 20 years old gliding around court <laughs> with nobody's ailments and in her prime yeah. a, beast. <laughs> a beautiful a beautiful thing to watch I tell you that oh yes a beautiful thing to watch uh who else can we name? Uh, about, Tracy okay. Austin. I was going to say, how about we keep Capriati to American women? So Capriati and Tracy Austin on the list, on the list for sure. Um, again, like when, when we, if you, if I got to keep it to like uh, Americans versus like me just tossing out names that are yeah, I, American is Americans are fine. Uh, There's a couple. Uh, uh, Sellis Sellis qualified. Oh, Monica Sellis. I said Monica Sellis earlier. Mm-hmm. She qualifies yeah. as USA, even though she wasn't born. She eventually played for the US USA flag, as as did. Oh, Davenport. Davenport. 
Who? Davenport. Yep, I was surprised you didn't say her earlier. She is yeah. low-key an outsider fave of mine. I like the way she, you know what? Yep. She she gave me hope. This is not shade to her, but she gave me hope that you didn't that you don't have to be the quickest around the court to play tennis. Cause she kind of just yep. <laughs> again, no shade to her, but she kind of just lumbered lumbered around out there and smacked the shit out of the ball, which is but what I try to do. <laughs> we know some other people who are hard hitters, but they're not the quickest. Who? on the court i mean, I mean that, that's just in in general right I, they're, they're the, you play to whatever your strength is so some people can True. kind of like cover the entire court and you'll they'll never miss a ball mm-hmm. and then there are other people who kind of play off of the ability their ability to like you know their their hard servers or they can you know the ability to like to to attack the point and be assertive which is what yeah was, was good at she wasn't about to be out there all day chasing down 30 balls but if yep. she got a, if she if she if you hit it back to her and her wheels on shoot it was coming back to you with with interest and I I appreciated that about her another thing about Lindsay Davenport kind of tangentially um, she I don't know if you remember this but when the Williams sisters came onto the tour you know they received all kind of backlash simply because of how they looked yep. um, and one of the players who didn't necessarily warm up to them in a way and i think she even admit this and i've heard her speak about this was lindsey davenport but what i respect about her is the the more she played them and the more she kind of grew to respect the way they were wired she mm-hmm. grew respect for them and now she you know she she is so quick to defend them in almost any situation so i appreciate that especially kind of seeing the evolution of somebody because you know she is a she's a literal white woman from california who yeah who who not to shade white women from california those are a lot of the people that don't like venus and serena williams so for her to get to a point where she's defending them publicly indian wells. <laughs> yeah 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 for, exactly indian wells 2001 infamous incident where they were were Serena was booed on the court and called everything, including an N-word. Um, so, but yeah, shout out to Lindsay Davenport for for having personal growth and, you know, being aware and all that stuff. Are there any other American players, women or men, that you think of, that you can think of that made the list? <clears throat> um, prob- okay, so one that I, I can't believe I, I, I wouldn't have said earlier that should have been mentioned with Arthur Ashe is... Uh, Obviously, Athea Gibson. Yep. Amazing player who made this list, who paved the way for Venus and Serena, who, again, does not get enough credit. Yep. Um, And I think I'm tapped out. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've done a lot. I I don't... You you have. You have. have, You've done quite a lot. Let's see. Um, You you know what? Actually, there were... When you said Tracy Austin, I just typed in her last name and the system picked up somebody named Bunny Austin, who I don't really know much about. So you got a, you got an extra point. Look at that. So yeah, far, so far you got um, 10 out of 100, which, which. Well, <laughs> th- th- those are the ones that we just named, right? We didn't talk about all the people I had already talked about. Fair, like, completely fair. Serena which almost all of them are. Chrissy yeah. Everett and mm-hmm. Billie Jean King and Pete Sampras. And uh, I'm going to butcher her name again, Navrata Tolova. <laughs> Navrata Tolova? Navrata Navratilova. Yeah, Navratilova. I'm, I'm. It's, it's, it's a lot. I, you know what I'm bad at? I'm bad at spelling it. So I'm. Oh, I'm, I'll never get that right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little better at saying the people's names than I am spelling it. Because sometimes, just like, why is there a Z there? Like, what is, what is, what? Why is that there? Um, yeah. What I will say, um, and this maybe isn't something that I think 
that I'm saying like produces good tennis as much as um, I think that there needs to be like uh, some improved effort around getting uh, other like uh, African nations involved in playing tennis because you never really mm-hmm. hear about um, you know anybody from the Caribbean um, mm-hmm. uh, being of note. You know maybe uh, Gal Monfi who now technically plays for um, France for France, but he's he's originally. Uh, is he Haitian? Is he Jamaican or, or something like that? I, I, it's, we should look that up. Um, and maybe it's... <laughs> he is, I mean, I, he's black and there's no, there's no debating he's black, but I think, I think he is from an, I think his roots are in an island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, almost similar, we haven't talked about her much, but almost similar to um, Naomi Osaka, who plays for Japan and was born in Japan, but most of her of her formative years have been here in America and her, she's from Haitian descent because her father is from Haiti. So. Yeah. You know what? I'm not thinking about Gamonfi. He is French. Um, like a born Frenchman. Oh, he's Dustin. No. We talked about that wrong. <laughs> Dustin. I'm thinking about Dustin Brown. Who oh, is gotcha. Jamaican. G- That's Dustin what I'm Brown, about. Dreads from place yes. in Germany. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. But like, I, I, but he also might be born in Germany. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, one of his parents are Jamaican. When you when you say that, that's one of the beauties that I that I find interesting about tennis is because it's such an individual sport. If you really dig into these players' like lives and bios, you find some interesting things. And it's not like they you basically you see all of them on the tennis court. They're not behind. They're not behind a coach. They're not behind a helmet. They're not like basically being told what to do. Everything that you see on the tennis court is basically authentically them and however that shows up. And I think that's one of the beautiful things I like about the sport is the the individualism of it and the stories behind that. Because it's not easy to get to a point where you are the featured player for ESPN at night or there are hundreds and hundreds of hours that go into that hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars that go into that to get to that point and then people that kind of have to move not not maybe move strings isn't the correct phase but there's stuff that has to go into the background before you get to that point similar to other sports but with like team sports it's harder to narrow down on one person's story like it is with tennis you can you talk about one person's story like i'm sure if we wanted to we could have a like i'm going to we could have a whole episode about sharapova but the same could be said about a whole episode for roger federer and serena williams like because it's individual there's reporting on what happens on their on the in their life on the court and off the court because it's such an individual sport so that's what yeah. that's what keeps me drawn to it because mm-hmm. I, can, I can see them, and I didn't mention this, but um, this is, a, 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 I guess, a tangential question. One of the things I like about tennis is the attire, the outfits, the, the, the kits they wear. Do you have anything <laughs> that stands out? Like, when you think about tennis, that's like, I love that outfit, or I love when he wore that or she wore that. Okay, so I will say that I'm glad that uh, it seems like men actually get kits now, because I don't, I don't know if you ever watched like the matches from like the 90s where it, just it was just white and like black they they, <laughs> they pulled out like some basketball shorts from their closet and like threw on a, a, a collared polo and went out to the court mm-hmm. um but you know um there's that you know i like 
I like some of the kids. I think my favorite, and this is going to be obvious, is always going to be the fact that Serena is like very custom when she comes out in the court, right? There's yeah, there's no one that be, has, there's no one that has what she has on. Never at any point will you ever see that, you know. And so I feel like I'm going to miss that, and I'm also for kind sure, of maybe for sure. maybe waiting for a guy to have that kind of individuality, and when he comes out on the court. Um, you know, but I think in general, women's clothing uh, across the board is always more versatile than, than men. You get fair. to have all the, the cutouts and the vents mm-hmm. in the back and, you know, the, uh, the shoulder missing or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. Uh, you know, the, the tool on the bottom of your of your skirt, whatever the case is. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm, I'm really going to, whenever she decides to step off the court, I'm going to miss that. Uh, for sure, is looking forward to you know. Sometimes it's it's just as nice as the match itself is. No, for like real. What that's ex- she coming out in. That's exactly. I said that in my last podcast. I can't wait to see because she's about to start. Um, play starts in. They're start, they've already started the season, but she's supposed to play a warm up event before the Australian Open. I was like, I wonder what she's gonna wear. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> like that's what a, is she playing? I don't know what she. I was wondering about. So you know that, the with that. with like quarantine bubbles and stuff like that. Um, you know how there's like a lead up tournament in Brisbane and then one in Auckland and then one in Sydney. There's not really none of that. It's all gonna be basically right. They're doing the qualifiers in Dubai, right? They're doing well, the I'll qualifiers for the men in dubai and the women in doha or vice versa okay but yeah you're right but the actual lead-up tournaments to kind of like get them prepared for the grand slams are still are going to be in melbourne not in other places of australia so she's basically playing somewhere in melbourne park or melbourne the city um beforehand okay Mm -hmm. okay yeah i'm gonna have to uh figure out what that is it'll be on it'll be on tennis channel don't worry (laughs) no of of course Uh, i just have to get the dates right but i think the australian this year is it february 8th 8th yeah february 21st yeah 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 Mm -hmm. which is weird because of the 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 quarantine stuff but i one of the reasons i love australia is because it allows me to really revel in my night owlness because of the time (laughs) of the time change i get to be like well I'm I'm staying up tonight because I get to sleep all day and stay up all night because that's basically how it works for me in my time zone. And I love it. I love it. I mean, granted, I am a little sleep deprived after those two weeks, yeah. but it's worth I it, think the, especially if the tennis is good. I think that so so I like I like the event, obviously, you know, um, but I think that's what I don't like about it is because, you know, obviously those mm. matches are played based on the time zone at the end and it's hard to catch it. It's hard to to miss a match overnight. And then have to like keep myself away from the scoreboard and just watch the DVR to see what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, well, I, I do both. I do like both. A, I do both. I I be, like if I if I wake up in my the player I wanted to win, I see that they have lost. I'm gonna watch that match and probably still get upset that they lost, <laughs> even though I know they <laughs> lost already. You know what happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't believe Venus has done that to me quite a couple times. No shade to Venus, but I'm just like Venus, girl. <laughs> That was supposed to be a win. And that's, again, that's one of the other things I like about tennis is it, it, it legitimately is never over until it's over and you yeah. got to go out there and lace up the strings. And there's so much more opportunity for upset just because you could just, somebody could have a freaking hangnail that's bothering them and it could just be <laughs> bothering the way they, they swing the racket that day. And that in turn 
makes for an upset. And it's not it's not that nuanced in other sports. So that's what that's the beauty of that's the beauty of why I follow the sport as hard as I do, just because there's so many different layers to it. And the fashion is always good. <laughs> yeah. Especially for Venus. I, I didn't mention this when you were saying this, but you know, Venus has her, her own uh a tennis apparel line that does well. You know what's ironic about that though? We mentioned what happened in Indian Wells years ago and how white women in California weren't really receptive to two black girls from Compton taking over the sport. Right. Ironically, Venus Williams uh, clothing line 11, the white women in suburbia love it. <laughs> they I can buy imagine. It they buy it's it very up. nice. You're like, no. No, nice, <laughs> is a, nice, nice is a good word for it. A, it yeah. I, I, I think... Uh, <laughs> It could use a touch more modernness, They're, and they, they definitely have come a, a, a long way. But when I still think about Eleven, like the brand, I think about floral print, and <laughs> floral print is not bad. But I don't want to see you in floral print every single time I see you. You reminds me yeah. of a sofa, you know, like a, the old sofas in floral print. That's kind yeah. of the vibe <laughs> I was getting, you know. Love Venus. I got you. Love Venus. And, she, and, you know, I've definitely seen the improvement. But when it first came on the scene, I was just like, whew, these flowers and stuff got to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's flowers every day, girl. <laughs> you know? Um, I think I, 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 we've been talking for a minute now. I think I got all the questions I, I wanted to get out about tennis. And hopefully, you know, you feel like you have shared a little bit of your tennis knowledge and story and history and why you love the sport. Is there anything that you wanted to add in before we wrap it up and call it uh, a conversation? Well, I don't think we covered this earlier, but uh, a quick question to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are, give me your top two uh, uh, new male and uh, female tennis players. Good question. Very good question. Now, when you say new, how? People who are currently playing now that are under the age of twenty-five. Um, my current favorite ones. I mentioned yeah. her, um, Osaka, and Osaka <laughs> actually has come on strong for me in the last couple of months because of how she handled herself at the U.S. Open. I think that's probably when we look back on history. History is going to, look, <laughs> at least as a black man, I'm saying this, and I guess I'm a little biased history is going to look on that moment as, I don't know if it's going to be life-changing, but it's definitely going to be a defining moment of her career because for her to come into that tournament with an injury and still say that, hey, I have a declaration I want to make. I have a, 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 um, I have a stance I want to make. I, I have a viewpoint I want you guys to see and then actually make it and win enough to get to the final day and be like, Bitch, I told y'all I was gonna do this and do yeah. it, and then th that is so the the player that she kind of came onto the scene as as very shy and timid and kind of unassuming and awkward. That action completely like one eighty from the girl that we originally got to know when she was beating Serena in twenty eighteen. I never thought she would be the person to be like spearheading a Black Lives a Black Lives Matter movement. So for me, I'm anxious right. to see you know how she continues to rise and again like you said she's like you mentioned she's younger than 25 so hopefully we have a lot more years to see her uh dominate and play well and make and make the sport grow um another woman easy answer um 
Coco Golf, but I, 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 I hesitate <laughs> because she is literally still 16. Um, yeah. And I don't want, it's, it's in, a, in a world like tennis where you kind of have to be so singularly focused. I don't want her to like crash and burn. Cause if the girl came out tomorrow and said, y'all, you know what? I'm just going to go to Avita and get my license in um, doing hair. That's her, that's her prerogative because she's 16. Like things can change. And I don't yeah. want to put too much pressure on her to be this champion. And it becomes like something that hinders her instead of helps her. But all of that aside, the girl is extremely talented and athletically gifted. And I'm excited to see how she grows. But if she doesn't, like if, if, if she never wins a Wimbledon or Australian Open, I can't be mad at that because, you know, everybody has different trajectories and I'm not putting that on her because I feel like sometimes the sport just gravitates at the next big thing. And that can be crippling, especially, like I said, for a 16-year-old who can't even go buy herself a, a, a decent glass of champagne or a bottle of champagne. She can't do that. So, like, why, why would I expect her to kind of have it all together to win consistently? But I, the, the foundation is there for us to be entertained and for her to be head and shoulders above her peers because she already is, like, again, she's a top 50 player at 16. So her trajectory is upwards, and I'm excited to, to follow that. And as far as men, um... I like the men's tour. I just think the men's tour sometimes lacks personality, but that might just be a personal preference. Cause I just think in general <laughs> women's women's sports, uh, most, most times, especially well, I just say in, in terms of tennis, women's tennis tends to give me more entertainment for multiple right. reasons. But, um, who are some men that are under 25? I was going to say Dominic team, but he's a smooth 27. Um, not that that's old, but under 25, right. uh, I'm going to say Francis Tiafo. He, you know, he's an American, uh, yep. black American young tennis player. I don't even think he's 22 yet. Um, he, he made the quarterfinals of the Australian Open in 2019, which was amazing to see. He kind of hasn't backed that up because that was kind of supposed to be his coming out party and where he kind of established himself as a real top threat. And he kind of has taken some steps back in certain ways. However, I do see the talent. I just hope that it is uh, nurtured well enough. But I, I, I see what he could bring for audiences. He's kind of like, he has the ability to be like a LeBron James of tennis. And LeBron James is funny enough an idol of his, but I do see the potential. Some quest There's some question marks there um, as far as him in his uh, discipline and determination, but just playing tennis <laughs> what was that for <laughs> oh, I, sorry I, oh, I thought you I, I, thought, I thought you were giving me a, i thought you were giving me an amen moment and i was like well i mean hey <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah i think he i think there are some question marks when it comes to discipline discipline uh and uh structure because tennis is tennis needs both of those for you to be successful um right but i i'm I'm still going to be watching his trajectory. And another another man, uh, I'm trying to stay out of America, but then again, I'm American, so I'm going to do it. Even though being from, being from America does not seem all that great, given what's going on. Um, I feel like there's one. That I, ha that I haven't mentioned? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I, I feel like that this would be on the tip of my tongue, but I, I'm just kind of curious to see what you're going to say next. What about Felix? 
boom boom great thank you so much i don't know why i was searching struggling yeah. that was so loud on my mic sorry y'all that's who i was <laughs> i was searching for felix ajay aliasim thank you for yeah. letting me get there he is a canadian so you know he, he a cousin or whatever um yes. <laughs> he he has so much upside i mean and i've heard commentators say this that he is like if you could build a person to be successful in the sport you would basically build him um because he, he just has all the athletic components visually and what he produces on the court i think he just has some uh, maturing to do as far as handling the pressure moments in the sport because he's still like i don't even think he's 22 yet and i can't i can't blame a, a sub 22 year old for not having it all together you know in in the in their career because technically this is this is their career but he has so much upside and he actually looks a little bit like Arthur Ashe to me. So hopefully he... Just, he takes, I would, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I can agree with that. Hopefully he takes all of that energy and spirit and um, is the next Black man to win a Grand Slam. Because like we said earlier, it has not been there has not been one since Arthur Ashe. So yes, Felix, the only downside is that his name is not catchy and doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a mouthful <laughs> but of hopefully, hopefully he gets to a point where people can just know him as FAA or Felix, I, 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 he has, I think he has that kind of brand appeal. He just comes across like a really well groomed and well raised kid. Um, uh, and he plays well. He hasn't, he hasn't had a real breakthrough moment, but I feel like it's coming. It'll come. Yeah. He's knocking on the door way too often for it not to come, you know? So yes, he, yeah. And again, now that I'm saying it, I'm, I, I feel a little bit weary about even about saying Francis earlier. <laughs> but I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna I'm I'm put faith behind Francis, and I'm gonna put a little bit more faith behind Felix that they usher in more popularity in men's tennis because Americans American men's tennis is either losing popularity or gaining popularity with the wrong crowd, aka the Trump supporters. But again another podcast for another day <laughs> <sighs> yeah <laughs> what about you what are there any and you can't say the people i said <laughs> I, I, I mean i don't know why not because those are exactly <laughs> the people who i would have picked <laughs> but yeah those are those four are hoping all of like we all of them are below 22 um yeah. or b b specifically below i think osaka might make 23 this year and, and um tiafo might make 22 or 23 this year but if those four names can stick around for the next 10 years and you know remain relatively healthy i think the sport looks good because all it takes like you know the example of venus and serena th those we say only but those two names alone changed the landscape of tennis popularity for years and and absolutely the four names we just mentioned are absolutely off offspring in a sense of what venus and serena have done they've not only inspired women but they've inspired black men to pick, pick up a you know me and you are talking as black men they've inspired <laughs> black men to watch the sport and pick up pick up a racket so the four names i mentioned hopefully you know they do that for the next generation and when i'm 75 years old i'm looking up and i'm like oh look at that <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. That's, 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 that's part of the reason why I created this podcast. I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily have a 
end goal for it, but I know the passion behind it is to keep what Serena and Venus have going once they retire. Cause it kind of sucks to think about it, but I know they have more years behind them than in front of them. And I am a little fearful that if like the pocket of players we just mentioned, don't reach great heights and don't become household names that we're going to lose a little bit of that. Uh, what's the word? Enthusiasm. Yeah. We're going to lose that momentum and enthusiasm that Venus and Serena built for the sport in black mm-hmm. culture. So I want to, stand in that gap a little bit you know that's the that's the that's the goal behind the podcast gotcha mm-hmm. like it love it hopefully somebody else does and hopefully somebody listening wants to sponsor it <laughs> <laughs> i guess a final parting words what are your um what's your 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 best guess for the australian who are going to be our victors um women and men yeah. I really want to see Rafael Nadal pick up one more Australian Open. I think he is due for that. I don't think it's fair that he only has one of them back in 2009. Not not saying that I think he's going to win it, uh, but he played so well at the French and he played really well towards the end of 2020. Hopefully he can keep building on that and get some good wins and find himself in a position to win Australia again. Um, mm-hmm. And I say that partly because I'm a, a tad over Novak Djokovic winning it every year. Like that story <laughs> is wonderful, but we've seen it already and we've seen it 20 times over. But on the, on the flip side, <laughs> I can't say that with too much confidence because I would not mind if Serena Williams won the Australian Open again. If she wins, exactly, I'm, 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 I'm always going to want to see her win. Do I think she is going to win? Questionable. Can she win? Absolutely. Cause there's talent there that a lot of the girls wish they had and still don't have. Um, yeah. But if it's not Serena, it'll probably be a name that <laughs> the household doesn't know. Because that's just been the trend of women's tennis. Um, and, if yeah. it's not, and if it's not Rafael Nadal on the men's side, it'll probably be Novak Djokovic or team, Dominic team. Or, team, uh, I can see team. Or, or who I'm really gaining in my affection for is Daniel Medvedev mm-hmm. from Russia. He has a – do you remember what he did at the U.S. Open in 2019? refresh my memory he basically antagonized the crowd to the point where they were booing him early like in early stages of the tournament but he kept yeah. winning he kept winning and he kept using that as fuel to until when he got to the final he basically like he, he made this really wonderful speech saying that you know you guys might not have hate you guys might have you know booed me or whatever but i really appreciated that because it gave me the energy to be standing here you know, although he didn't win the tournament and he lost to Rafa, when I when I look back on that, that is kind of what we miss. That's what we've missed in tennis. Like, although I don't always love tennis players being as polarizing as like Nick Kyrgios can be sometimes, because sometimes he just be <sighs> doing the absolute most with the absolute least. Um, sometimes. <laughs> Ah, sometimes on that one on on Kyrie, I, I think <laughs> again another podcast for another day I think there are some things there that are um that need to be what's the word in therapy um <laughs> not flushed out uh unpacked there's some things yeah. in him that needs to be unpacked as to why <laughs> he can't keep his stuff together on a tennis court um 
but we shall see. We shall we shall see how Australia goes and how the tennis tournament looks. This is my, I, like the 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 timing of the podcast is great because I kind of got the tail end of 2020 and now we have a whole fresh 2021. So I'm going to be able to cover everything that happened. So I'm I'm, I'm excited. I, hopefully the Australian Open sets the tone for a good year. And if the Australian Open can, if this like little pocket of the year can go forward and there not be some huge fallout with like, you know, players testing positive or, you know, their health, their, you know, their health being compromised from playing hope that that leads me to believe that the rest of the tennis tournaments can kind of, you know, follow suit and with proper protocols have successful tournaments. I'm trying to get me to, I'm trying to get to a tennis tournament this year. I know, you know, I know we're not supposed to be in crowds and stuff and I'm going to always wear my mask because part of me actually likes wearing my mask. I feel inconspicuous, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get to a tennis tournament. You know, there's a tennis tournament. The one in Indian Wells has unfortunately been been postponed and it's not going to be in March like it typically is, unfortunately. Mm. Um, But the one in Miami is still on the books. Um, and that's nothing but a little flight, or I say little, but it's not that far away. And then also the lesser known women's only tennis tournament in South Carolina, in Charleston, has, is, is, it always looks beautiful. Um, it may be a little bit of a red, well, it's a lot of a red state, but the tennis tournament itself looks interesting. And it's been around for several, several, several years, and I kind of want to check it out. So I'm, I need yeah. to get to at least one tennis tournament this year because 2019 going to Indian Wells basically wet my palate and 2020, yeah. 2020 just dried it all up, you know? So I'm trying to get back in the swing of things and experience more tennis tournaments. Because I feel like I can't be reporting about it and not go to at least a tournament a year, you know? <laughs> at, at least one. Well, at if you go to Miami. One. At least one. I'm in for Miami. You know, I, my hope this coming year, I guess, is to get to Wimbledon because that was going to be my 30th birthday present for myself was mm. this past Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I'm trying to get to the the U.S. Open. Wouldn't be a bad one either. I mean, I've been to New York before, just haven't been to the U.S. The US Open. So maybe we can, that's that's a goal. Well, something got to shake, though. Something got to shake. Something. <laughs> I'm, I'm, eventually, I want to get to all the Grand Slams with the French Hopefully Open. Hopefully we'll. The, the last one you your your case is actually interesting because most people either tackle um the french or australia last and yeah. australia because it's it's hard to get to like it's <laughs> it, it, right. it takes hours and hours of flights and stuff to get to um and then also the french this is because it's in 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 general terms it's the least popular <clears throat> yeah yeah, I um. So I, I last year I knew I was going to be in. Well, I guess it's 2019. I knew I was going to be in Paris for my birthday, mm-hmm. and so it was just like I was like, this is like perfect, perfect timing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, and, and oddly enough, I think that my next one outside of Wimbledon, um, maybe the Australian because I have a wedding to go to in Australia. Who uh, you know getting married in Australia? <laughs> a, a friend from college. So um, that's awesome. You got friends yes. in high places. She, yeah, so she lives in uh, she lives in Sydney. So um, there's that's always just a, a quick flight over. <laughs> well, a quick flight. Well, I have I do I say this. I have my. I mean, passport. from Sydney to the, to the park. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, my passport is sitting already. If you need a travel companion, 
we can we can coordinate dates and i would absolutely love to go to australia actually sydney is on my list of i don't know if i've said this on the podcast or not sydney's on my list of international destinations to go to because it is i think i have said this before <laughs> it's hard keeping up with what you've said on the podcast and what you haven't random fact um of course <laughs> but sydney hosted the olympics in 2000 and i want to go to every um olympic city that has hosted the olympics since 1996 in in atlanta so okay. i definitely want to go to sydney one day for sure it's a good circuit to make I, th I think it is too like it's sydney then athens greece and then beijing and then london england and mm -hmm. then rio all all um all seemingly amazing cities and i mean visually they all got something to offer so i'm trying to hit all yeah. of them up how many have you been to so far atlanta sure yeah because i live there <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's that's it that's that's why okay. that's why i wanted to start so we're gonna i don't i don't think i'll do them in a row and doing them in you know doing them in uh chronological order is necessarily the biggest deal to me but i do want to i do want to hit all of them hopefully i can lean into tennis and tennis gives me something back so that's that's the goal that's the goal because i've been watching i feel like i've been not not necessarily watching for free all these years but i've been i'm almost I'm decades plus into being a fan and I'm ready to experience it on a deeper level. Whether that mean like working in the working in the environment. You know what I've been what I what I've been thinking of? You know the people people that have a job that kind of goes unsung, but I do appreciate and can kind of see myself doing the people that the people that announce the tennis players onto the court and like announce their achievements while they're like warming up and stuff, I would uh -huh. love I would love to do that. Is that a different person than who's commentating on the match? Oh the yeah, <laughs> yes. So the the, the uh, so I there's a I ever paid the, attention to that. The, the commentator, the commentator. Um, I guess it's by news channel. Yeah, the well, the commentator yeah. is usually linked to like a the television provider, like ESPN, yeah. tennis channel, ABC, Fox, whatever. Um, but the announcer, <laughs> the announcer is usually on site um announcing the players as they walk into the court saying here comes maria sharapova and while they're warming up they say maria sharapova is known for xyz she's the world number one and blah blah blah, yeah. blah. I, but people don't hear that because they don't hear that because the commentators are usually are over they don't they don't play that audio um because the commentators are louder than that so that's why i say it's kind of it kind of goes unsung but if you are actually in a tennis stadium yeah. you hear that and it kind of yep. it, it prepares you for the battle that's about to take place so yeah i would love to do that if anybody's yeah. listening and has a tennis tournament they need announcers for let me know <laughs> <laughs> well speaking uh, of let speaking of let me know let the let the listeners know where or if, if you want to where they can uh no you don't want to you don't want to pub your stuff that's fine that's, that's no fine. no I, you know <laughs> i don't really have a i don't have like a, a social brand that's like fair consumption i guess fair. i mean i get it i get it i'm, I'm so used Just to around in the in the like with me like walking in the modeling lane i'm so used to people having one and then you know yeah. i'm so used to having one that i kind of forget that some people just be not that you're like regular but some people just be like it just it's not a thing it's it's not it's not something that's a marker or a bullet point in their life like brand media or whatever so i completely get that i completely yeah, yeah. get that <laughs> completely get it e either way though i do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to uh help me out on the podcast and hopefully help out some listeners that had no idea what the hell i've been talking about for the past 
10 plus episodes when it comes to tennis. Hopefully they have taken some nuggets out of this and Googled some players or Googled some terms or Googled yes. some, uh, some uh, scoring guidelines so that they can follow along with the sport or be inspired to play. That's the goal. Usually people yeah. get intrigued by watching because it's entertaining to a certain level and then that turns into playing. That's what happened to me. So that's what I'm trying to build for other people. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, my friends, if you have made it this far, you are a fan for one. And I definitely appreciate you giving me your ears. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Hopefully you are taking away from it some excitement to learn more about tennis, to potentially go play or just look up some stuff on YouTube, which I'll be posting in the podcast description. Stuff to watch because we in quarantine and we got nothing else to do. Right. So let's let's focus on staying inside. <laughs> So one thing I wanted to kind of put out there that I haven't really spoke on yet is the podcast support link I have in the podcast description. So I just wanted to say, if you are enjoying the podcast and want to contribute to the growth of the show, please consider clicking the link in the description that says support this podcast. It is actually tied directly to my podcast hosting website and it's super simple and easy. The website gives you an option of a one-time donation in support of the show, or you can opt in to schedule a monthly donation, essentially becoming a sponsor of the show. Both are completely optional and not required to continue enjoying the content, but it does go a long way in ultimately advancing the show. Again, it is all a choice of your own, but know that donations will surely be appreciated and put to good use. And if you want to keep enjoying the show, why not invest? <laughs> that is it for this time, guys. I will catch you in the next show. Make sure to follow the podcast on all social media so that I can interact with you guys. Make sure to email the podcast with your inquiries, suggestions, or comments at missingpointpod at gmail.com. Until next time, take care, stay safe, and talk to you soon.